0: What do you do when just doing it yourself seems like the better answer because they keep messing it up. Hi, I am in it with you, my friends, today. Welcome to Business Mindset Mastery. I'm your host, Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and leadership expert. I work with business owners, leaders, entrepreneurs over at heathergrayconsulting.com, and I'm getting a little saucy and sassy today, so you guys best protect yourselves. I am going to be diving in deep to staffing, holding accountability, and managing personnel. We have a listener question that's going to sort of spark the conversation um but i have some tough feedback for our writer today so um dig deep listen in and i'll find you on the other side heather delegate they said stick to your zone of genius they said You'll be more productive, they said. Ooh, it seems like someone's a little saucy and sassy with me. All right, get, diving in here. What they didn't say is that the people you hire won't always listen, but doing their own thing doesn't mean they're actually taking initiative and thinking independently either. Sometimes the people who work for you just see your name, see your brand, and think they can overcharge their worth if they work for you and then they deliver shit. It's happening more and more with the contractors I hire. They either have to be micromanaged or taught the basic skill sets over and over. It'd be faster to just do it myself. When you tell someone what to do and you check for understanding and you leave the conversation thinking you are on the same page, what are you supposed to do or say when someone isn't done when something? isn't done to expectations. I'm not a micromanager, but I'm starting to think it's my new niche. What do you think? Okay, so fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me too, right? I think sometimes business owners are encouraged prematurely to hire. To say, like, you should just be sticking to your zone of genius, do what you do best, and hire out the rest, right? That's what you're reminding me in your letter. You know exactly what I'm talking about, and you know the big coaches in the space that are teaching this message. What people are failing to say and failing to teach is how do you be the boss of somebody other than yourself? I think that's a missing um, conversation in the space. I don't really see anyone having it. And if I was the membership type and I was the group training type, I probably could do a group training on how how to hire, manage, and hold accountability with staff and teams. Because what ends up happening as business owners and leaders is so many people, particularly with the online business industry, people have come into this space because, they hated their boss they hated the nine to five they didn't want the structure so the last thing they want is to become the kind of boss they hate so so often one of the things that bosses and business owners fail to do is really decide and examine their hiring practices their training practices and their accountability practices before the first hire walks into the door it's really easy to go on Fiverr or upwork or one in the outsourcing sites can hire someone for a quick graphic design job, or help have someone help you with a quick website page change, or a lead magnet, or something like that. But it's very different when you are going to be doing something other than one-off work with someone. Because if you hire someone for a one-off job and you're never going to see them again, it's easy to expect that you might not always get their best work. You can hope, you can pay attention to their reviews, but you know they're not invested in your business. But when you you hire someone to specifically work on and in your business for either a contractor like salary where they're contracting with you for 10 hours a week or full time or you know whatever you're arranging with these people then it is your expectation as a business owner as a leader and as a boss that the people you hire are going to be invested in your business and that they are going to be invested in your success but so often the people who are like saying like all right, I'm now in the choir you're preaching to, I'm going to hire, have never been taught what to ask in an interview question, have never been taught to think about critically like who is on their team, what does their team need, what are the personality types that will really gel with the people who already exist, what type of personality do you excel in more as a boss than other people. So when a, a business owner and a business leader comes to me and says, oh my God, these people, like this is happening all the time. All I'm doing is chasing tails. I, you know, the examination is with the business owner. What are you doing? And what are you not doing? And what are you saying? And what are you not saying? So what I would really like you to do is move out of the reaction seat of this conversation, because so long as you're reacting to someone's incompetence, to someone failing to meet an expectation and to not doing what you said, you're giving away all your power and all your control over the situation. So what I'd like you to do is to consider first what you came to learn about the person through the interview process. I would like you to think about the specific job expectation and description that you outlined. I would then like to know how, and these are all questions you should be asking yourself and examining, like I would then want to know when you hired that person and they agreed to that job description, did you leave the conversation clear that they know What their job is, that they know the tasks they're supposed to be doing, the timeline they're supposed to be doing it in, how long it's expected to stay, and then, you know, and what does done look like? You know, like that's one of the questions that Brene Brown has been, you know, online talking a lot about in her Dare to Lead book is what does done look like? So you have a clear sense before you're reacting to something that didn't get done, that the person you hired really did know what was expected when it was expected, and that the person you hired also knew that it is expected to ask for help. Because particularly when you've been around the block a couple of times and you've gained an audience and you've gained attention and people know your name, it can be really intimidating to come to you and say, I know you just hired me for this job, but I don't really think I know what I'm doing. Or I'm getting stumped on this tech thing. Or I didn't know how to do this because they're so afraid that you're going to think them incompetent. You're, they're so afraid of letting you down, of embarrassing themselves. Um, you know. And the other thing too, now that I've worked on several teams online, And I can tell you that I get afraid like, oh, my gosh, if this doesn't go well or this hard conversation doesn't go well, am I going to be blackballed? Am I sacrificing my own personal reputation here? Like those are real concerns that people have. So sometimes as a result of having that concern, if they're not the mindset expert like me, who's just going to go and have the hard conversation, they're going to like kind of stay quiet and not move and not act. And I'm not giving them permission to not move and to not act and to not do. But you as the business owner are the one responsible for this situation. So then I want you to do an examination of what your training practices were like. How did your staff come to learn how you expect the job done. Because so many times, and this is the example I always hear in it, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the task you're writing into me about, but so many people hire freelancers and contractors to get on social media for them. To, hey, can you go do an Instagram post? Can you put this on LinkedIn? Can you do this? Can you do that? But the reality is, is as business owners, we all go on these social media sites and we post all kinds of different ways with all kinds of different points of view and different calls to action. There's no obvious way to do that. So it's not like you're saying to somebody, hey, can you go stock this? Hey, can you go do this? Like you're asking somebody to create a deliverable. And if they haven't been trained to your way of offering the deliverable, if you've just assumed because you know they have a good social media presence themselves or they have worked for really good companies before that they just know how to do this, you wanna make sure they know how to do it to your specifications and that they know what done looks like, and that you've trained them to it, you've watched them do it themselves, and then you've allowed them to do it independently and have given them feedback after. It is a simple sort of streamlined staffing process, but so many people don't do it. They just say, oh, this is the job description. What's your experience doing it? What's your time frame? How well do you manage conflict? What do you do when you don't know something? Okay, fine, you're hired. Rather than like once you're hired, let me be clear that this is your job. Let me be clear that you understand your job. Let me be clear that I've taught you your, this job to my specifications. And let me also be clear that I've watched you do it to my specifications. And we're on the same page that you're good to go. Because when you take the time ahead of the curve, like as a prevent defense, to do all those things... Then the next conversation you have, in addition to praise and recognition for jobs well done when they're well done and you don't puff people up and you don't tell them they did a good job if they didn't do a good job, is holding accountability. To say, and you know, and everybody, <laughs> the people who used to work for me, anybody who's listening to this knows this phrase. I use it like I used it a lot as a manager, but I'm wondering. Um, and it's this idea of saying, like, hey, I asked for five social media posts to be just, dis- you know, sort of distributed across our channel over the past three days. I've looked and I have only found three. I'm wondering what's up with that. Can you tell me what happened? Um, because you're offering the opportunity that something out of the ordinary happened. There was a tech glitch. There was this, there was that. You're gonna hear the reason and then it's going to allow you to reiterate the accountability to say, well, I now I need to know your plan for getting this done. Um, when can I expect this by? And so you are going to set the specific deadline. If it then again doesn't get met, then you're going to start to say like listen you're a contractor with me I'm not obligated to continue to hire you like I'm not sure this is a good fit I'm going to ask that you do this this one more time and if it doesn't work we're going to move on or you're free to send them on their way but so often bosses and managers haven't been trained to have these hard conversations haven't been trained to hold accountability to ask somebody like when do you expect this to get done by it feels so awkward it feels so uncomfortable they skip the conversation and you just assume that everybody working for you has the same work ethic as you but the problem is is of course they don't have the same work ethic as you they don't want to own their own businesses they don't like they don't want they don't want to be the ones holding the bag at the end of the day if they did they'd be off running their own businesses they they want to be led they want to be taught they want to be directed which is why they applied to work for you so you have to leech you <laughs> you have to leech them you have to teach them then you have to lead them and then Then you can direct them and then follow up and make sure that they're consistently doing it. And you, know, and you don't give your people independence until they've proven to you that they can be independent. And if you do that micromanaging piece at the beginning, then they are set on the path for success because they're working with your brain. They're working with your perspective and they're going to be able to regroup, to navigate a little bit differently, to problem solve and to seek solutions for themselves because they're gonna feel empowered to do so. Now the next thing, when you started to talk about the experiences you're having, my first thought was, okay, if you are hiring, you have gotten to a certain level of business where you have recognized for yourself that if you want to make more money, you need to hire more people because you can't trade your doll, you can't scale your dollars for hours, you need to be sticking in your zone of genius, all of that. I want to know from you, um, and this is probably rhetorical. You're welcome to write back, but this is probably more like you need to ask this of yourself. Did you go for the lowest hanging fruit? Did you decide that you needed a VA, that you needed a staff? And did you just pick the cheapest one possible? I'm tripping over my words today, my friends. I'm sorry about that. Did you go for the low ball offer? Because if you took the low ball offer, you get what you paid for. I can't tell you how many times people are sort of trying to hire on the cheap and they're trying to get like a <laughs> level rock star level quality work from someone who's the cheapest person on the block. And again, it's a reminder not everybody has the same work ethic as you. Maybe at some point when you were building your business, you delivered rock star level work for peanuts, but you can't you can't, you can't assume that that's what everybody does. And in an age where we're all encouraged to charge our worth, one of the things that I think ends up happening is people go into vanity pricing metrics, right? Like I've heard of VAs who are charging $25, $30 a, a month, an hour for their services. Business owners are balking at that. So they're going with the person who charges $15. I think it's a little bit about asking people when they name their rate, digging a little deeper into that and saying, so that is a significant investment. What makes you worth it? What makes you somebody I should buy into and invest in? Tell me about your experience. How have you managed this? Because I can tell you, um, and this is like one of my biggest gripes sometimes with my job. Like I'm having a good day at work when this is my biggest gripe. But on my sales calls, I've never been asked whether or not I have a degree, what my training is, or how I've come to know this. A lot of people who get on sales calls with me know I'm already a therapist, have already been a therapist, know that I have that experience. Experience, but some people, like, if you just found me in the middle of my podcast and you didn't catch the episodes where I talk about it or reference it, you have no way of knowing how I got here. Um, it... it boggles my mind that people want me to like mess with their mind without getting reassurance that, um, you know, I, I have a degree and that hence that's reflected in my price as is my 20 years experience. So nobody has that conversation, which is why I'm sort of leading to believe that you as a business owner may not have had that conversation with people that you're freelancing. So if you're getting these exorbitant, prices and the work product isn't being delivered, you then get to say, hey, listen, like when I hired you at $30 an hour, I did that because that rate implies a level of working independently. I'm not observing you working independently right now. I'm wondering what's getting in the way. And you might hear that they're second guessing themselves, they're doubting themselves, but it empowers you to have the conversation. Um, So much of this is getting clear as a boss and as a leader, what kind of leader do you want to be? How do you want to move through the world? How do you want to manage? And I have to tell you that as a leader and a manager of a program, I supervised maybe 30 people at the time that I was um, running my program. Um, I was a really well liked leader. But I was also a hard ass, (laughs) like people that didn't take kindly to me because I asked really hard questions after things that happened that shouldn't have happened, happened. I had those hard conversations, but it was also teaching, it was directing, and it was teaching people how to think like me. So you have to decide if this is just getting something off your list, you were going to get what you pay for. But if you're trying to develop a team, if you're trying to build a community and build brand loyalty, part of that is investing in the training, in the onboarding, and in the team process, getting to know your staff members, getting to know their strengths, getting to know their weaknesses, what do they play well with, what don't they do well, and really coming to understand that because leadership isn't just about handing a to-do list off and then looking and seeing five shiny, you know, social media posts. Leadership is about making sure that they know what your brand looks like, what your voice looks like, and sounds like and what your tone sounds like going off and doing it. And then seeing that when your automated funnel or whatever you created stopped working, they independently tried to solve it and only asked for help when they got stuck. Some of that you will get lucky and you will get like liquid gold. Like people who hire me for their membership communities and their group communities, they're going to get that rock star level work ethic because it was ingrained <laughs> in me since I was sixth, in sixth grade working for my dad. That like, I am somebody who really, you know, puts out good work product and you're going to hit liquid gold with me, even if you don't do those things, because I'm self driven, I'm self motivated. But we have to recognize and understand that not everybody thinks like us, not everybody works like us. And if you want to find the me's for your business, it means having the hard conversation, it means having direct interviews, and it means getting crystal clear on what it is you expect, what you need to see next, and what you need to have happen, um, and so that they want to work with you. Then the other piece to this is You know, especially like in the business space now, in the online business space, so many bosses and leaders are hiring contractors and freelancers because it's cleaner, it's easier than hiring employees. But then as a result, people aren't going to be attached to your business. But like, and that's just going to be in their DNA, right? Because whether or not you make a million dollars off your next launches, no skin off their back, they're going to get paid the same. But you can inspire people to care about their work product outside of them by recognizing their talent, by recognizing their skill. But the other thing I've recently been encouraging business owners to do and to think about is to share with their team. And to share with their um freelancers the results that the business got as a result of their work. To say, hey, you know what? Like I know I was up your butt about those social media posts, and I know I made you come up with a better image twice, and I, you know, kind of got on you for not using proper grammar. But I gotta tell you, like, as a result of this, we brought 150 new people to our email list. We got X number of more people watching us online video. We dot 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 dot. If you share with people who are not business savvy, or not specifically aware of your business, the results that their work got, and that you're appreciative of that, they are going to most people are going to want to do that again and replicate it. But so often we get in the habit, you know, and I was just saying this in the last episode about how the squeaky wheel gets the grease, we are in the habit of ignoring the wheels that run smoothly, and only addressing things when they have a problem. So as a business owner, I I want to remind you that we are all grown-up kids. At any point in time, we were all children ourselves. And when I worked with kids, the rule was three positive comments for every piece of negative feedback, that they hear three things of recognition of thanks so much for coming on time. Wow, you were ready when I needed you to be. You got that done 20 minutes early. You're putting me ahead of schedule. Those quick little hits of attention, of seeing, of acknowledgement, of saying thank you, of showing appreciation for every, you know, sort of comment of criticism critique that you have will go a long way. And a lot of times business owners and managers don't want to do that either because no boss ever had to kiss my ass to do this uh, or they don't know how to do it or it feels disingenuous. But if you can find a way for recognizing people, seeing their strengths, sharing their talent, praising them, recognizing them and thanking them, showing them how their work impacts your business, you are setting this entire conversation and the entire working relationship up for success. The next piece to this, this is becoming one of my master classes again. I wasn't intending this, but I love this topic. I'm all fired up on it. If you find yourself on repeat, and when I say on repeat, once you know you've done all the, you've checked all the boxes for training and you are having this conversation for the second time. So you held accountability session number one, and now you're on accountability session number two, saying, Hey, this is happening again. I'm wondering why this happens. The first thing I'm going to ask you to think about is that if you're dealing with a consultant or a freelancer and not an employee, I, I want to ask you how much work you're willing to put into that person. Are you willing to go another round or is it time to cut your losses? You will find that some employees or some contractors are so worthwhile that they do have a talent that they just missed it by a bit or this, that, and the other thing that you are going to want to keep working with them because you're going to find that their work and their talent and their work product is worth the effort. Other people are just not going to be. So the people who are not going to be, you wrap up that project and you send them merrily along their way. If you need to consult with somebody, you know, around contract law or freelancing legalities, but typically you're able to cut and run without any, you know, um, employment violations. When you have decided that someone who you have followed up with a couple of times now actually is worth the work, then what you're going to want to do is consider your version of a professional development plan A lot of times when somebody isn't working out, um, it's good to say so. Um, And what I usually encourage, you know, back in corporate, you know, we had this rule that we had to give somebody three, you know, three strikes, and then like a warning one, warning two, and then we had to incorporate something called a professional development plan. And that was the idea of we're acknowledging that you have these areas to work on, these areas to work on are threatening your employment. This is what I want to teach you. This is how I expect you to learn and some sort of plan for I'm how the company is going to support you in getting this. Now when you are working online and you have freelancers and you know, um, and contract workers or maybe part-time full-time employees and somebody isn't working, like you don't have to go automatically to that professional development plan because sometimes those people know they're not working out. Sometimes those people know that they're not a good fit, and it's better to cut and run. It's better to give them like two weeks severance rather than invest more time and more money in helping them be successful when neither of you particularly want it because you're both done. So, what I encourage business owners to do once you're on that second, you know, roll, uh, round of feedback and you have decided that this person is somebody you want to invest in, you need to have the conversation with them about whether or not they want to invest right back to say, hi, I know we've had a couple of tough conversations. I know I've asked you to do this. And then three weeks later, you and I are having the same conversation. I have to check in with you because what I would really like to do here is go back to the drawing board to set you up for better success, to train you to this skill and to this expectation more specifically. But before I do that, and before I spend that time on that, I need to know whether or not that is of interest to you. Are you hoping to stay with this company? Would you like to continue to work with me and get this right? Or does it just feel like it's time to cut your losses and move on? No hard feelings, but I don't want to be investing more time if you would rather just go. Because then what you're doing is you're giving that employee, the contractor, freelancer, an opportunity to leave on their own accord without being fired. But you are also giving them like the foundation for another round of accountability. You have told them, I have these expectations. You're not meeting these expectations. This is what I need you to do differently. You're not doing this differently. So now I'm going to teach you all over, right? You are engaging in buy-in. But then if they don't do it, you, you're free to fire and move on. So you're going to get their level of engagement. You're going to get them to acquiesce to this. And then to you're going to come up with a professional development. Plan. These are the areas I need you to work with th- this or work on. This is what meeting expectations looks like. This is what, I used to add this, nobody else did when I worked at my old job, but I used to say, this is what exceeding expectations looks like. This is how you will be trained. This is when you will be reviewed. And this is when we will check this off. And so that way you are letting them know that there's accountability to learning this, but you are owning responsibility for also teaching them. The reason why I asked you to do that evaluation at the beginning, of like your irritation with somebody and your recognition that someone may, might not be working out, hopefully it's clear now that that is a lot of work and it's a big commitment and you have to decide for yourself whether or not someone is showing you the potential that they have to be worth the work. This is probably way more than you asked for. Um, hopefully it's an over-delivering situation and not an over-annoying situation. But in any case, you know, the the staffing conversation on how to staff your business, there is like radio silence on this. And I'm not gonna get everybody's, you know, individual um, staffing questions answered in a singular podcast episode. And everybody's a little bit differently, but this is a perfect way that I can help and lead and consult for you or your team. And if you would like to talk to me about a consultation or bringing me on your team to get everybody on the right track, a really good way to do that is to connect with me over at heather at com, I really thank you for bringing this question and showing vulnerability. I hope you don't feel too batted around with this. Um, and anybody else listening, if you have a staffing question, if you have a leadership question, something going on in your life or business, and you just want my quick two cents for another podcast episode, I'm always accepting questions. You can find me over at heather at heathergradeconsulting.com. Thanks so much for today. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.